The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I am Paxton Wright. With me is Justin Kiever. How are you, Justin Kiever? I am Justin Kiever, and I am doing well. I am Justin Kiever. How are you, Paxton Wright? Well, that is the tone of a man who is doing well, and this is also the tone of a man who is doing well. I didn't say great. I said well, which really, if you want to add that on a scale of 1 to 10, is generally like, I guess, a 5 or a 6 unless we're going by like academic standards, in which case that is not well. But, you, you know, th- this is all getting arbitrary and into the weeds on something that doesn't matter. That's not what we talk about on this show. We talk about, uh, we talk about hard-hitting issues. Um, we talk about the things that matter most to everyday Americans and people from all over the world, like Mass Effect. Um, yeah, we talk about Mass Effect. We're going to talk about Mass Effect today. And we're going to talk about it for an hour. Uh, we looked at the news before we started. You know, we like to we like to get a head start on uh, what we're going to talk about news wise. We didn't this week, so uh, we met up and we're like, "All right, what is there to talk about?" And we were just both kind of like, "Eh." And then I was like, well, "I just replayed Mass Effect One because I got that new trilogy." And then you were like, "I just watched a stream," and we were like, "I could talk about that for an hour." So here we are. No news this week. <laughs> nothing happened. Literally nothing happened this week. We all <sighs> sat in our rooms. And stared at the wall and ate Wonder Bread and drank water. And then now here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, don't, I don't know how to follow that up. Just like the, the sheer lack of excitement to talk about Mass Effect. Off mic, <laughs> like, you know, we've been talking about Mass Effect a decent amount. We already had a pretty lengthy conversation about Mass Effect. And now that we're here, I don't want to talk about Mass Effect anymore. I want to talk, I want to talk about... Uh, tape dispensers i didn't have a good joke i just looked at the tape dispenser on my desk no i do want to talk about mass effect although i will say unrelated thing i didn't say i was gonna thing i didn't mention before we went on air that i was going to talk about that i actually do want to talk about had a very exciting morning um so back in january uh during what i have dubbed meme week um i bought eight shares of amc kind of as a joke um it came out to i think like 40 bucks in total it was was, the shares were pretty cheap at that point and the hype train sort of came and went in january and then it dipped and then it became worthless again and then i was like do i just cut my losses and sell or do i just hold in the hopes something better comes along and i was like "Ah, the states and the country might start reopening soon Maybe I'll hold until like mask mandates get lifted. Maybe I can, you know, at least. Um, but then uh, uh, in the last like week, for those who have been keeping up, the meme stocks have all skyrocketed again. They've all, uh, to quote the hilarious people on Reddit, um, gone to the moon. Um, but <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Elon, yeah. meme lord Elon. Uh, but <laughs> wow, your face. You're, you, uh, the radio can't capture just the like I was joking when I said meme Lord Elon I was being sarcastic and you didn't even give me a physical reaction to my sarcasm you look dead inside I honestly like the like the go everything about like the the culture about 
the like about like the meme stocks has just gotten so much worse since we like originally talked about it on this show oh, it's, it's become just like so secondhand embarrassing like i've been kind of embarrassed to tell people that i have amc stock but now i'm not <laughs> because i put 40 dollars in in january and i just made 515 dollars this morning so whew, i never have to work again i can literally just do this show for the rest of my life I mean, you can just because the pay is so good. That's you didn't even need your meme stock, you know. Yeah, you know that, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the, you know, uh, people don't know this, but we here at KUCI are not volunteers. We're making, um, we're making uh, Joe Rogan money over here. We're making, <laughs> we're making Chapo Trap House money. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're making the, you know, we got in on the ground floor of, uh, you know, talking about video games on uh, the internet and on the radio. It's never been done before. It's never been done. There is kind of like, you know, a nascent political movement that is sort of get, you know, gathering steam. And we've been at the forefront of, uh, you know, shaping that conversation. And Did we just have a conversation about Giant Bomb like last week? Uh, Giant who? Like, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah you know like yeah no they 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 didn't do it it was us Small and that's fry. why we are making that uh chapo money right now exactly exactly i'm hearing some murmurs about these guys called mega 64 they think they can dethrone us but i'm not uh i'm not too concerned about whatever they're bringing to the table so, okay a quick question about mega 64 my entire Mega 64 experience is uh, deals on video games getting retweeted, and that is all Mega 64 is to me. Is Mega oh. 64 something beyond that? Mega 64 is like a lot more than that, and like I, I mean, we we're going to talk about Mass Effect, and we will, but like I, I, I'm not even a huge Mega 64 fan. I pretty casually observe what they're doing. Um, they do a lot of like video game related sketch comedy some of it funny some of it not oh, so much wait, they used to do those video up. games in real trailers life. did they used to i don't think they were no you're thinking of screw attack oh screw oh, attack oh, used man. to be okay with okay game trailers yeah now, mega 64 i believe was always independent i don't know if they were ever tied they might have had a thing with machinima at one point i'm not sure but mm. no their thing that like they kind of got big for was back in like the late aughts early 10s they used to do like a series of like video games in real life which have kind of we're we're kind of like quote unquote cringy comedy then was sort of the point and they mm -hmm. have developed into more so now and not in like the right way um some of it's mm -hmm. just it's a little secondhand embarrassing um some of it's aged pretty well their their elite beat agents video is funny where it's just them dancing in rhythm inside a burger king and making patrons uncomfortable is mm -hmm. it's not bad um and anyway we're not here to talk about I know, we're, not here to talk we're here to talk about, about you making money on meme stocks and maybe mass effect exactly anyway i also speaking of meme stock again i got in on it like you know i i i i, I don't pretend that like it's not a little embarrassing but i do you know i am sincere when i say that you know screw the haters i made money because i also I also back in January and this one I feel worse about because I did learn more about the ecological ramifications later on and I will not be investing in crypto again. But in January, I invested in Dogecoin and because uh, I thought hey, you know, I had a buddy of mine who put like 10 bucks in and then made like 100 like a week later. And I was like, ah, you know, I, uh, maybe I can get in on that. Did the same thing. It plummeted. And then I was like, oh, I have no money to make here. And then Elon said he was going to go on SNL. And then I was like, well, let's see what happens. And then again, the Reddit crowd was saying it was going to get to a dollar. And not, frankly, I was optimistic. I thought eh, maybe you can get to a dollar. It was starting to climb again. And I think I had, I want to say roughly $16 worth of shares. I don't quite remember exactly how much I had. And then I waited till SNL. I wasn't watching SNL because we talked about that episode a few weeks ago. I, I'm good. But I was sort of keeping up with Twitter and keeping up with Robin Hood. And then I just started to see it dip. It just started to go down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this isn't going to a dollar. No, no. And then I looked at Reddit and then I saw all the, the, the meme lords saying like, don't panic sell. This is what the hedgies want. Keep holding. And I was like, no, no, stop it. And then I, uh, and then I sold it all and I made about $200 right before it completely crashed. So nice. I've been, right. I've been playing the meme stock market well lately, but I think I'm out now. I think uh, I'm done. 
You know, speaking of meme stocks, like in a more kind of like general sense, that would be like the one news thing that like, except I have nothing to say about it. Uh, the NFTs have kind of collapsed lately in Thank a twist goodness. that no one could see coming. I, I kind of didn't see it coming. They were, I mean, I figured they were a fad, but I figured they were going to be a longer living fad than this. I'm sort of surprised they have collapsed as hard and fast as that. It's not to say they can't come back. Uh, Dan Harmon is making an NFT TV show now, which like, man, Dan Harmon, for the last several years, I've just wanted to like him because Community was a very special show to me. And for a while, Rick and Morty was very special to me. And then he kept saying and doing things that I found obnoxious, but I kept standing by him. And then he said he was making an NFT show with Fox. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry, Dan. I don't, I don't care for you. You know, one thing that really broke my heart was when Tony Hawk made that NFT. That was, that one hurt. See, I mean, that's sort of like the weird thing, though, about Tony Hawk. I mean, like, as important as, like, Tony Hawk is as a figure. Like, we talked about, you know, we Tony Hawk lengthy, on the show a like, few philosophical times. discussion about Tony Hawk once. Yeah, on yeah, but, like, the thing about Tony Hawk is that he, you know, the man is rich. The man is an entrepreneur, I think, first and foremost. Like, almost almost above being a skater at this point in his career. You know, he's an entrepreneur. And that, the you sickest know, streetwear of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, like, and that sort of necessitates things like following trends and just being willing to do the dumb things that are currently making money. And I think, like, that's, you know, as much as, as, as a significant as Tony Hawk has been and like you know i think as much as we you know appreciate the things he has done that that's you know man's a businessman and like nfts for a while were big and you know like you know the the man chases that money and like at the end of the day it's one of those things where it is like i guess to an extent hard to blame people I, I, i don't know i think it's a trend not worth chasing and the collapse of it has been encouraging um the the fact that the only, the only one of those stories that maybe I'm like, you know, I can give a really solid thumbs up to, but even then, I don't know, is the uh, Charlie Bit My Finger family who removed, do you know about this? Yeah, they removed it from YouTube and then like sold it as an NFT for like 6 million, I think. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, the thing is they probably already made a cool mint off that video in the first place. Assuming they profited off of it, it was like early Wild West YouTube. So it's possible they didn't make a dime. Well, it was early Wild West, but I mean, there was, I think, a period where it was like used in ads and stuff. Yeah. I would figure like they're the, I like, I am assuming that they probably like were able to license that video, like when people really cared about Charlie Bit My Finger. But I know a lot of meme people didn't. I know, I know, I think it was like Scumbag Steve from back in the day, that, that old like uh, image macro meme. Um, Yeah. I think he like got he like screwed himself he didn't know how to monetize properly and he didn't make anything off of it star wars kid i think was the same deal i guess star wars kid was pre-youtube like a lot of like old memes though a lot of old that's a weird way to refer to people and i feel kind of odd that i just called people memes but a lot of people who got famous for becoming internet memes um human beings uh i know weren't able to properly monetize uh their sort of five minutes of fame um and so i don't know if the charlie bit my finger family did or not but regardless they did now yeah i mean i don't know like i'm kind of of two minds on this and we really should start talking about mass effect soon we did nfts NFTs make me sad and i don't want (laughs) to stay on this that long but i mean there's something kind of like i don't know i started thinking about grumpy cat recently i got into like one i got it really into an internet cat named maru who was great um but uh and like kind of started thinking about like grumpy cat and like the 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 just like real the mistreatment of that cat when like grumpy cat's family was just just like oh this cat is now our cash cow and you know like had to do all these events and stuff. so i mean there's there's something really i don't know like the, the whole prospect of like monetizing memes and all of that like that's the like it's this weird thing where you know part of the idea of the or you know part of something that kind of like undergirds the internet meme is like the you know the the transferability of all of these things and like the fact that there are you know 
is no original and that's the whole thing that nfts are you know like intervening in is trying to produce an original on the internet and they only of course they only do that through like you know the you know whatever blockchain blah blah um and, and like the, the, there's just something that seems so kind of like you know contra to the whole idea of memes and like monetizing memes but also you know people need to make their money but also uh, but you know, it, it, it's but, such a mm. it's such a case by case thing because then you think about something like uh, uh, Zande and Chocolate Rain. I mean, yeah. like that's a guy who made a piece of art, and you know, for like all the goofing on it that people did, and like the fact that yeah, he has a deep voice, even though he doesn't look like he should have a deep voice, and you know, I step away from the mic to breathe, and all the little goofs within it. It's actually, like kind of a beautiful song. Sure, the production quality isn't anything to write home about, but like he's a great lyricist, and he has a beautiful voice, and like he profited off of that. And it, like, he's also that, pretty pretty woke too. And that's like, what I'm I'm, like I mean, like actually politically left i think as well like i think he has like i can't remember oh no i mean the song is very much an overtly political song like i i mean it's he's a cool guy who made a cool piece of art and he monetized off of it and like that is an example of like sure like yeah someone like um bad luck brian it's a guy who just took kind of a goofy high school yearbook photo and then made money off of it you know critique that as you will but then you have someone like Tazon Day and Chocolate Rain who actually did put effort into a piece of art and profited off of it and like bravo to them I, I don't know maybe it's a maybe it's a, a case-by-case thing but I, I don't know I don't have hard and fast opinions on it really I think I don't know like my 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 critique is like less it's less the behavior of anyone who is monetizing or like you know like it's more like there is an imperative to monetize yourself, I guess is kind of, which we all, you know, we, we all live with that, you know, living as we do under capitalism, but like, that's a, I don't know. We were supposed to talk about mass effect, (laughs) which, you know, maybe now's as good a time as any to segue from chocolate rain to mass effect. We're really, we're, you know, we're really getting entrenched in the culture of 2007. Yeah. Um, I think, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know, that's good. All right. Let's, let's boot up that galaxy map music and let's go. (laughs) I wish we had, I will say, I really wish we had a, um, our our uh our break right here because that would have been a great place to actually go to the galaxy map music and then come back i, I might actually i mean you know like we, we can still probably put that in into the thing we'll, like we'll just yeah. say it again at the end of the first half what's fine just yeah. remember <laughs> to say let's go to the galaxy <laughs> map music it, it'll it's in like 10 minutes we'll get there all right um but yeah anyway so you've thing- been playing mass effect <laughs> so i've been playing mass effect i bought that trilogy um and the the legendary edition what are they calling the trilogy yeah legendary edition yeah bought the legendary edition because uh, it's one of my favorite franchises Mm -hmm. certainly in gaming probably my single favorite franchise in gaming maybe resident evil but it's up there uh and then one of my favorite franchises period or it had been for a very long time but i haven't touched those games in probably five six years so my i i went in cautiously optimistic um really hoping that they'd aged as well as i remembered them having aged and i i've only beaten one so far i'm about to move on to two which is really that's the true testament to like let's see how well these games have aged because two at the time and to still an extent this day at least based on my memories is maybe maybe not my favorite game of all time but absolutely in my top five and i hope it remains there um but i did just beat one and i am pleased to say that it mostly holds up but there's some there's some i i wouldn't even say the stuff that the stuff that doesn't hold up is the stuff i didn't really expect to hold up which is like some of the robotic and uncanny like conversational uh you know dialogue elements which i were were weird even back in the day um some of the 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 combat which they did improve slightly but still kind of blows that was stuff i expected there's a lot of stuff that is just more questionable um Mm -hmm. than i remember it being a lot of stuff that that invokes more thought than it did back when and you've been watching a stream right 
Yeah, yeah. So I've actually, you know, like I think we well, we brought up Giant Bomb again, who, you know, did nothing and we were the real progenitors of <laughs> talk. No, um, I've been watching the Giant Bomb kind of a let's play of a Mass Effect that they did uh, a couple of years ago and the uh, of the whole trilogy, I should say, that they did a couple of years ago. And yeah, no, like it's um, yeah, Mass Effect uh, was uh, the trilogy was really important to me, uh, you know, in uh, like in high school when I played uh, when I played most of those games, uh, except for um, three, which came out when I was in college. But like, yeah, uh, you know, I played through Mass Effect 2 at least four times. I don't do that with most games. I especially don't do that with, uh, you know, long role playing games. 40 to 60 hour long RPGs. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mass Effect 2 is sort of like the, the game mass effect 2 is like the game where i went oh video games are something that i should like i like i've had like this vague sense of caring about games for a while but now i'm just kind of like no like seriously like this is this is serious i can take this seriously which in, in retrospect is maybe a little goofy to have it's, it's maybe a goofy place to have that realization no because i, I mean maybe maybe but i think that's kind of around where i really had that same revelation too hmm. um I, yeah that game was hugely impactful for me like it wasn't the first time where like i could consider games as a piece of media beyond entertainment um but it was the first time when i realized like what absolute i don't even want to just say spectacle because i feel like that diminishes the actual like nuance of the storytelling and the characters and the writing and the world building just like just what an absolute powerhouse through and through a video game had the potential to be like there were other games that had made an impact on me prior to that grim fandango um uh, uh knights of the old republic like there were games that had struck me prior yeah. to mass effect 2 but mass effect 2 i i just i remember i was in i think middle school i think i was in eighth grade and when it came out and i remember eagerly awaiting it i like i literally watched the super bowl that year i didn't care about football at all i watched the super bowl just for the mass effect 2 trailer that they were going to reveal because that was back at the time when super bowl ads didn't come on youtube three days before the super bowl you actually mm -hmm. had to sit and watch the thing um like i was hyped beyond belief for that game i bought it right after school on friday afternoon i took it home and then i did nothing but play mass effect 2 all weekend and then beat it sunday night and I, I only really took breaks to eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom, and that was about it. And I, I beat that game in two and a half days. Um, and, and yeah, it was, I, I don't mean to like steamroll your story, but yes, I know I don't, what I'm saying is I don't think it's a necessarily a goofy or hyperbolic uh, thought to have. I, I think that game really did do something pretty remarkable, especially for its time. Yeah, and, and I think maybe what we can do for like the rest of this uh, segment is just kind of talk about like what the Mass Effect trilogy I think maybe represented at the time it came out, and also like why it kind of, like like it, like situate it a little bit, because yeah, like I think um, because yeah, I think there are games that like you know the earlier there are obviously games from before Mass Effect that hold up way better, and I think are like much more interesting pieces of art. The things like Silent Hill Two is like the obvious one that really comes mm -hmm. to mind, but um, but yeah, no, so like Mass Effect um. I think it Mass Effect 2 in specific like hit in a way I, I think partially because it's um you know it's a role-playing game that like look these games have a cinematic character in terms of like the way they construct dialogue not in like you know not that these like look as good as movies or something like that or they're the shot as well as movies but I think there, there's just like a very basic sort of like competency of of vocal performance and framing where i mean even though it's just things as simple as just kind of like having like a very traditional shot reverse shot that like where basically like the it's an rpg where like the drama kind of just like it feels you know like it toes the line of kind of like feeling uh natural to play and like being con dramatically convincing and like the bare minimum of cinematic where yeah like it's like it feels like i remember like at that time it was like the first thing that like really hit like where there is this like promise of video games as like playable cinema or something like that which i think is something like people who take games seriously have like really gotten away from you know in the like in the decade that has passed 
but um but i remember that being it's sort of like feeling at the time kind of like the um the embodiment of that and i think it was sort of like this like you know um the rise of a kind of uh dramatic competency and technical competency that really and, and yeah and like you know pretty good writing and like some really good world building really especially in mass effect one um that uh and you know and some like occasionally evocative art direction i think you know mostly mass effect two and three um over one even though one has its moments um that yeah i think like really you know that was part of like why this series landed also i think it kind of had this crossover appeal of like you know the mass effect as a series kind of like represents like sort of it's a really if you want to think about like the evolution of the rpg or really the western rpg um and like how like rpgs kind of like uh, like role-playing uh mechanics kind of like get sort of inserted into everything and how role-playing games become like more like action games like mass effect is sort of like the trilogy that like represents that trajectory of like the rpgification of everything and the actionification of the rpg well once it co-opted over the shoulder gears of war combat and two like that was yeah. really yeah yeah exactly like, like one is this kind of like you know pseudo turn-based like or it's real time with pausing kind of uh you know like it uh like it feels sort of like an older rpg like you know an older like crpg with like real-time combat with some pausing that then but it, it's like from an older over-the-shoulder perspective with like shooting mechanics that are kind of like gears of war then mass effect 2 and 3 are just gigantic aim reticle that is and the most useless assault rifles in any video yeah. game ever <laughs> um and then um and then yeah two and three just become gears of war like in in that way that kind of everything became gears of war in like you know 2010 to 2013 but um but like they, they really do lean into that but like the thing that like makes mass effect like two and three a role-playing game is the basically having dialogue choices and honestly like the the ability to romance characters which is like was really central to the mass effect games appeal you know like being able to which you know i think and maybe we'll get into this in the second half a little bit is one of the things that i think doesn't really i don't think it ages very well frankly some of that romance, the romance stuff. Has, has aged i will just i will tell you from mass effect one which was always kind of the weakest by far especially because your choices of romance options were pretty weak um you had you had weird uh, kind of bigot soldier lady, yeah. boring guy, and fetishized alien lady with no real personality. Who it's like you're gonna go fetishized alien lady because at that point, like, where else are you gonna go? But like this character who does kind of exist, they argue like that she's not meant to exist as a sexual object. Oh, but the, the Asari. There's an entire are... race of women aliens who exist completely as these like fantasy objects. And there's this weird engagement with that throughout the series where, like, what you I know, mean the... is, yeah, like there means to justify it. Like, they really do. The, ga- the games go so hard out of their way to try and justify, like, that there is more to these characters than just pure sex appeal. And it's so ham-fisted and clunky and no one's buying it (laughs) it's about is it like to be frank it is about as convincing as the uh like the way that Hideo Kojima tries to justify quiet's whole deal Uh, in MGS5 frankly I think okay you might not be giving Bioware quite enough I I think I think it might be (laughs) worse than quiet to be honest like I think it's like I think it's real messed up but like there's a lot of weird there's, there's a lot a of weird stuff about race in the Mass Effect games, like about like the way they handle alien. And we'll get into that in our, yes. in our next section. We do need to actually take a break now, though. And go to the galaxy map music. Do you want to just do that for like three minutes? No, I'm going to fade it out and then fade in the music. Okay, let's go to the galaxy map music. <laughs> Thank you. 
You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I am Justin Kiever, and with me is the other host of Socially Distanced, saying that as, you know, uh, trying to be as uh, equal as possible. Thank not, you. Yeah, you know. You've learned. You've grown we are, a lot. Uh, the, the other host, Paxton Wright. Say Thank hello, you. Paxton. Hello. How are you, people? I hope you're all doing well. You know, one thing we should talk about this off air, but I'm going to talk about it here. I, I, I think it's high time we change the name of this show because I really feel like a socially distanced is a very played out term at this point. And I feel like we've lost the plot with our original thesis of this show of it having anything to do with COVID. I mean, um, I, I maintain that like, the whole point like you know us losing the plot is actually part of the plot and so far as like you know the, the the situation of being socially distanced has just become like such a normal part of ourselves that like it inflects everything we do yeah that's I'm, that's my that that is my like on, it sounds like me making excuses for the fact that we, we don't tie into the, like the the idea every time and it is that but also I'm being serious. Like also no, I, I think that like that is like a really kind of like true thing that happens like over the course of this show. We are now both fully vaccinated. It's perfectly safe for you and me to do this show in person, but we still don't. Um, so, you know, maybe there is a there, part of the yeah, but, but like that's But that's also, but like kind of, you know, because, you know, like, you, you, like we live in different cities now and like, you know, it, there would be this whole kind of... Um, you know, like this whole process of kind of getting us together. And that is the result of, you know, like that that's part of COVID that happening, you know, like that, like it's part of that situation. And like, yeah, so there's still, you know. You know, what's actually interesting. I wonder what the future of this show will be, what the show's fate will be when the station actually opens back up. Because I'm in LA, that's a commute for me to get down to the station. Yeah, and so socially distanced really may be a show that ends once we stop being socially distanced unless we're allowed to keep doing the show from a socially distanced uh manner which i don't think kevin stockdale our beloved station manager would really want to do because that man is making playlists every single night uh god love him uh yeah, that's respect Seriously. so so yeah so i i mean I don't know. I don't mean to get dour or pessimistic about the future of this show. I just don't know what it'll be. So, you know, I think <laughs> through this little anecdote about me saying, I think our title is dumb. I think I've gained a whole new respect for our title. And I think you've shown me the light, Justin. Yeah. And then uh, listeners, you can look forward to socially isolated where I have an hour long show, but only speak for 30 minutes of it. And then, but like, but only intermittently. I just always imagine Paxton is there, but Paxton's <laughs> never actually there. Um, That's a great point, Paxton. You do have a great jawline. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway. Mass Effect. Yeah, Mass Effect. Speaking of great jawlines, I crushed it on making my Commander Shepard this time around, which... That's I, right, listeners. Paxton did the impossible and used the character creator in Mass Effect to make a decent-looking character. I made a handsome hunk of man. That Commander Shepard, vaguely Greek-looking, got sort of nice, heavy eyebrows, sort of a, a larger nose, beautiful green eyes, nice sort of tan going, black sort of subdued pompadour. He's a gorgeous man. Um yep. And I like, I almost went Femshep because here's the thing about Mass Effect too, uh, that I think is also part of a discussion that we can have on a larger level. Mm -hmm. And this goes for Mass Effect and a lot of role-playing games. Um, there's many, many ways you can play those games. And I have played them the same way literally every time. I have played the same exact dialogue options. I have romanced the same characters. I have made attempted to make similar looking shepherds although this is my best effort yet um it, like i i don't i don't change it up and i don't remember why i said that what was my initial point here i got so uh, caught up thinking about how chiseled my <laughs> shepherd is oh yes no so i was going to play fem shep this time because it's not jennifer hale i forget who does the no, voice. it is jennifer hale oh is it jennifer hale yes 
uh, I know like people really loud her voice acting and you have better romance options as her with characters like Garrus and Thane are arguably yep. better. Although I quite like Tally. Um, but, uh, but you do have uh, people really do argue that Femshep is the superior experience uh, by and large, but I still, I still did, did same thing. And now I'm like, I feel like I have to change one thing. I'm still going Paragon. I'm still doing the similar looking male shepherd. Um, I'm still making basically all the same choices. Uh, and now I feel like I at least have to romance another character in Mass Effect 2. But my only other options are Punk Rock Jack, who is too much woman for me to handle. And then Miranda, who's like kind of a space fascist, um, which is like a weird choice. So I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. I would, I mean, I don't know. I, th- this is kind of a conversation, kind of a conversation I don't want to get into, like, you know, which, uh, you know, which uh, Mass Effect waifus. Yeah, that's b- the, only because- reason I, the only reason I bring it up is because it is just like it, it does. This playthrough has been interesting because it has shown maybe not it doesn't necessarily reveal anything about Mass Effect, but it reveals something about me and players as a whole because I know this is a common thing for RPG players, is like the rigidity of how you play a game. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think, I think part of that, like, I think part of that is Mass Effect's fault because you know you, when you said like you know there are many ways to play Mass Effect, I was just sort of like thought from like my immediate thought was no, there are two. That's true. Yes. And, and and I think that like that's one of the weaknesses. I, I don't think it's even like one of the more uh damning weaknesses really, but like it is very weird that basically you know, it has this sort of morality system that encourages min-maxing where you're just kind of like always picking the, you know, goody two-shoes option or the like most evil person in the world option, which yeah. um yeah and like like to like and like to such an extent that mass effect 3 basically like you know like you had sort of a useless like neutral option that no one ever picked um because it didn't contribute to your stats uh you know like always like you could always pick you know like the the neutral option but then you know mass effect 3 just got rid of that because no one picked it because it was unnecessary um which was like a weird kind of a weird doubling down on like a really restrictive system but it was just such you know it was so associated with the uh the brand at that point you couldn't actually like you know you couldn't make it more complex in three but it's interesting though because i even think about like well first of all like it's actually that you mentioned that yes it is true because i remember there actually was one time where i did switch it up a little and i replayed mass effect 2 and i tried to go like chaotic neutral shepherd where mm-hmm. i was picking some psychopathic options and i was also picking some like very morally upstanding options and kind of in the sense of like if i truly like had all the authority of the specter which like again this is getting a lot into the lore of mass effect which i really realize now one hour is still not enough time to delve into it and mm-hmm. like actually discuss like just general thoughts on the game but if i truly had all the like autonomy and of a specter that was truly above the law like how would i react to the situation i did try to seriously role play and the way that paid off was me not being able to influence any of my parties and party members in one way or another and then half of them hating me and then the other half dying at the end of the game because i tried to play with any nuance so mm-hmm. yeah, it is like you do have to go a very binary rigid method one way or the other or it's going to bite you in the butt. Um, yeah. But then I think about too, like I think about like Knights of the Old Republic an even older game um, wherein you actually do have sort of more nuance in your choices. And yeah, like typically you are sort of encouraged to play it in more of a binary way. But like Coder 2 especially is very interesting because you get a lot of choices. You don't just get two or three like mass spec gives you Mm -hmm. you can get up to like seven or eight sometimes and coder two typically ranges from like morally good the jedi code is always right uh we you know we must stand up for the people even if it means making sacrifice blah 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 you can be kind of a sarcastic jedi too like i i know i like hey listen like not all these rules are so black and white like i want to do the right thing but calm down you can which is usually how i play coder too because it's fun you can play kind of like uh sort of like on the fence guy you can play um, 
Sith guy who's just sort of in it for his own or lady, you know, the two like Sith person who's just sort of in it for, for their own uh, benefit or insane monster nazi fascist crazy person like that is like like you have you can run the gamut and it doesn't necessarily affect it does affect your light or dark side points but like and it does ultimately affect like the ending you get but it doesn't affect your relationships and it you actually like can play the game or it it affects your relationships in a more nuanced way like coder 2 in particular approaches their binary moral system in a much less overtly binary way, if that makes sense. And so it's kind of interesting that as much as I love and sing praise of Mass Effect, it does actually kind of withhold that from you, despite the fact that Bioware and Obsidian really um, had done it before them. Yeah, yeah, like Mass Effect really does just kind of like, it, it simplifies that whole dialogue system in a way that like, you know, I think... <sighs> was built around the joystick frankly that's like the the thing is that you know you get like the the circle like reticle thing for the dialogue conversations which is like it's it's this like weird matter of like visual form that seems like kind of like what guided that decision and maybe also just to like streamline the writing process which you know like writing branching dialogue is incredibly difficult so um yeah it, it, yeah, it is just kind of like the, this weird restriction. I guess, you know, maybe we should like quickly kind of like say what Mass Effect is about for anyone who's listening who hasn't oh played it, you know? Yeah, I'm sure um, they've stuck with us 45 minutes into this thing. <laughs> but yeah, so like, um, so, you know, like Mass Effect is a story that takes place in like, the, I think uh, the 22nd century, basically we discover uh, these, we discover alien technology that allows us to travel faster than light, more or less. And that also, we, we basically discover kind of like a whole, like a galaxy spanning alien civilization that has also discovered this uh, technology called like the mass relays. Discovered and, it well um, before us and already built an entire civilization without us. And then humanity is just kind of showing yes. up to the party like, hey, what are we all doing? Like that's kind yeah, of the, yeah, where yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um yeah, and, and then basically uh you know, humanity tries to kind of like you know, we we start at like the beginning of humanity kind of like joining this uh galactic civilization or sort of like getting integrated into it. It's like twenty and to thirty years. Then, it's like twenty to thirty years in like post first contact. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, and then basically like the story follows a uh, you know somewhat a a navy like a navy officer a commander a commander Shepard um, you know a, a commander Shepard who has no first name uh, well you give them a first name that no one ever calls them by because you come up with it and. Yeah, a Commander Shepard who uh, becomes aware of, like, yeah, becomes a Spectre, which is basically, like, uh, you know, a, a space secret agent um, in, like, the first, like, they become a Spectre in the first game, and while they're becoming a Spectre, they become aware of, like, an imminent invasion by an, an even more ancient race of aliens called the Reapers, who show up and destroy all life every 50,000 years for some reason. And part of the, and like a big, a big thing that motivates the entire trilogy is figuring out what that reason is um, and uh, how to stop and like how to stop them. And also convincing people that this threat is even real. And I'll say one thing that's weird about like, when I was like watching uh, this mass effect let's play was how quickly Shepard kind of like becomes completely convinced that this, the Reapers are like a real threat. Yeah, I the thing is, I get that, but I also think that the way in which he even hears about the Reapers in the first place, like discovers them, is he literally has he has like a a grand sort of I don't I don't know the word I'm like grand just like psychological experience wherein memories of an entire civilization are forcibly implanted into his mind. Um, so like, I mean, while, yeah, it does feel a little like, oh, that for, you know, a 50 hour game, that conflict showed up like 40 minutes in, like we know what's at stake already that it feels fast for the narrative and arguably maybe is, um, but it is really the catalyst that sort of gets everything going and, you know, 
you know gets the gets the wheels of the plot churning and i think it's reasonable enough justification personally to literally like be like forcibly experience the memories again of an entire civilization being wiped out to be convinced yeah and i think I think it's just like the, I think, so we, uh, I, I mentioned in like the, the first half of the episode, the sort of like the dramatic competency uh, of the Mass Effect games. And I really was referring to Mass Effect 2 specifically. I think a big problem with one in specific is that one, uh, and like a reason that I, I never really liked Mass Effect 1 that much, and only I think maybe weirdly appreciate it more now in terms of its kind of a, in terms of its narrative, uh, uh, is that like it is it is not dramatically competent and that like the like where like the moment where Shepard like realize it like like has that realization of like that they've been implanted with these like you know uh, the, the memories of like the Prothean race who gets wiped who got wiped out by the Reapers 50,000 years ago um, like that happens basically when you meet Tali like uh, this this one character and you know, and then Tali like explains the history of the Reapers in like a couple sentences, and then Shepard goes, "I get it now. That was what I saw." And it's just kind of like, okay, like that. Yeah, it's just kind of like. And then from from like from that word, it's just kind of like, all right, yeah. And then like and like this is the truth, and like we are kind of like as players basically meant to sort of like you know accept that like that is the truth of what we saw, and like all we see of this like vision is just like a bunch of like really indistinct. Uh, uh, like really really like just kind of like indistinct sort of images that like really are completely incomprehensible and i find that really unconvincing i think that's part of a larger problem of the games the direction is bad just straight up like there is a um, of the first i would not i would not again maybe my memory maybe my experience will yield different results when i play it but i would not say that two's direction is bad no i would say two and two and three get a lot better like yeah. I, I think the i think those are just better looking better presented games but like there's a there's a scene in one that always sticks out to me as like the the like epitome of like its dramatic incompetence and it's the landing on ilos um basically there's a scene near the end of the game uh for those of you who haven't played or haven't played it in a while where like you need to like make a very precise kind of like basically the the, the, the your spaceship needs to land in a very precise spot and oh yeah and there's like this kind of like, you know, scene that's meant to be dramatic where your pilot kind of has his big moment of being incredible, an incredibly competent pilot. And there's this scene in the cockpit where like you and three, like Commander Shepard, the pilot and like two other characters are like talking about what's happening. And it's just these characters standing perfectly still straight up going, you know, you're coming in too fast and kind of like doing like this really robotic like uh, animation, you know you're never going to make it. And then the pilot going, I will make it. It's, it's so robotic. This. And like, and like everyone's like taking their turn to speak. It feels like watching like a bad animatronic. Yeah. The stakes, like, the stakes do feel incredibly low. And then that scene happens. You make the drop successfully and then you just move on and it's fine. Yeah. You just did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so. I think it's like, it's like that kind of like, yeah and like that is sort of you know consistent across so many of the games like big dramatic moments that like none of them really land i think for me well i think the thing the the i i agree with you and i think that mass effect one has horrible pacing problems too um there is for like terrible side quests which like granted a lot of that is due to like clear like obvious budgetary limitations the side quests are go to sort of generic terrain planet in the in the mako vehicle which the, you, that's a whole nother conversation is what a mess driving that thing is but drive around in the mako vehicle on this terrain find a base that has the exact same layout as every other base in the game uh fight a couple ways of enemies uh have a quick conversation and then it's over you did it or sometimes don't even have a quick conversation just fight a couple waves of enemies and then leave um but yeah. like that but again that's but that's a budgetary thing it's a hard thing to knock them for um but uh uh mass effect mass effect one does have long long swaths where the plot doesn't advance at all um where yeah. you i mean two of the three major like worlds that actually make up the the primary quests of the game 
like there's like six major worlds in total that like make up the bulk of the game's actual uh main story two of those worlds uh really have like nothing to do with anything um they're actually cool worlds particularly novaria which i would argue is the best part of the game but it's like its own little mini self-contained story within this game that doesn't have a lot of it has some effect on like the later games sort of, and actually does have some sort of interesting moral uh, ramifications in the later games, but it actually within like the, um, within the confines of mass effect one is kind of just like sort of a, a, a take on it, aliens. That's just, you go to an abandoned facility that no one's had any contact from uh, and it's been overrun by bug creatures and you got to get rid of the bug creatures, but then you learn some interesting uh you, you you gain some interesting knowledge on the bug creatures and actually what they're all about it's it's a that is to me where mass effect peaks and it has virtually nothing to do with the actual primary plot of the game yeah absolutely and that's sort of the thing is that mass effect because so one i feel like this maybe says something about mass effect is like mass effect like the first is like you know yeah known for being like you know it's like a, you can it's like a 50 hour RPG, right? Like that's like, I think something close to like what people say about like how long it takes to play that game. Um, so when I played it, I didn't really, I played it early enough in my the gaming career um, where <laughs> uh, I didn't really get how RPGs really worked. And so when all the characters were saying, okay, you need to go stop Saren. This is really important. Go, go to these planets, do these things. I took that very seriously. I was like, well, you know, I didn't like, it was like, okay, I'm playing a role-playing game. I'm playing a role to play this role correctly. I should go do the important things anyway. So I just did all the story missions and I beat mass effect one. The first time I played it in eight hours. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I didn't do the side stuff. Like I didn't do any of the side stuff at all and like just beat the game in eight hours. And like, so I think that like there's, and I think that's weird structurally. Like, I think that speaks to something weird about structurally about that game. And like, yeah, you're right. And it's built into the narrative too, where like, yeah, like not that much happens. You're kind of like, I think that it's a game that is just so much more invested in its world building than its characters or story. And I think that changes in two. And I think three is a lot more like, um, and like two and three are both much more interested in their characters and story than, um, I mean, two character, three story, I guess. And like one is a lot of like setup. And I, but I, I think, think, I think that, mm -hmm. well, I was going to say, I think that works to its advantage because one's world building really is exceptional. Like the best part of one is learning about all the planets, learning about all the alien races, um, like learning the history the, that the lore is the most interesting part of mass effect one. And then mass effect two is like, okay, you've learned all that established lore. You kind of get the gist of it now. Now let's explore these characters. And it, and also let's introduce a bunch of new characters who are some of the best in the series. Like it two really sticks. It takes what you needed from one. And this is not to make an excuse for one's lack of character development or character really whatsoever, or even much plot. Like it's not to say that like, that's why they did it, but two really makes lemons out of uh, le makes lemonade out of lemons like it, and then three continues to expand upon that yeah i mean i think one like it establishes some interesting mythos and like what i was gonna say kind of like regarding race that i like flagged in the uh in the first part of this episode is that one of the one of the detriments is that a thing that kind of happens in mass effect one that ends up kind of carrying over to two and three is that like it's but especially in mass effect one like the characters you meet aside from the humans are kind of like representatives of their race and like in when they lay out things about their race like there are just so many like racial traits in mass in like mass effect that are just kind of like accepted as like this is the way things are so like you meet uh like for example like rex the uh, the krogan in your squad who's like a fan favorite character and he's a good character he's probably the best character in me one at least yeah, the most he interesting he is, and I think that's part partially because the Krogans have, like, the most interesting story, which is basically that, like, a, a genocide happened on them. 
Um, a, a biological genocide that makes it yeah. nearly impossible for them to breed and so they're just a slowly dying species that is incredibly jaded and bitter for good reason and holds deep resentment to the other species that genocided them like like i think one thing that's like really wild is that like the world of mass effect is very dark and you know you are often on the wrong side of it and like it never really leans into how on the wrong side of things you are like the fate of the krogan horrible the geth like I forgot that, like, you know, until I watched this, like, the Geth were, you know, like, the Geth who are basically the main enemy in Mass Effect 1, who get, like, you know, humanized, let's say, in, like, you know, 2 and 3. Um, but, like, at the beginning, it's kind of like, yeah, like, they are a, they're a machine race that was basically developed to be cheap, like, cheap exploited labor. And then they kind of, like, had a an uprising against their their manufacturers the uh, the koreans so much an uprising they just literally started asking questions they started to have you're right they started to develop consciences like hey this doesn't they they developed consciousness and then the koreans were like oh man we need to do a genocide and like attack them and the geth defend themselves and the thing is like but the geth are like the the big evil bad guys in mass effect one and like they never really, and they, and they continue to be villains in two and three. And like, they never really, it, it like, it, it didn't land for like teenage me that like, no, the Geth, the, the Geth have been wronged like fundamentally. And like the Krogans who, you know, like are generally like you know, represented as being like, and, and like Rex says this and it becomes a racial trait. Like, you know, like the, like the, the Krogans are, you know, like ingrained into their ontology is like anger and stupidity and violence they're and basically like, like the vike i mean they're like i, I don't even want to say the vikings because they are they're they're like the spartans of the uh of the the mass effect universe like but like they, but like what if instead of that being kind of like a social construct it was like built into their genetics like that's the way that mass effect kind of talks about it's uh you know like like that's the way it talks about its alien races like you know they have these kind of like personalities that are basically defined by like you know these like genetic traits more than anything else and like it's like it it, it, it like weirdly stymies like the possible like the possibilities of like who these people can be in biology like it you know it limits it by biology and like that feels fit- coming to like coming to that now like, you know, like 10, 15, like, you know, almost 15 years later in terms of Mass Effect 1 feels very weird and like very, very vaguely gross. eugenics y. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's, and, and it's this thing that I think kind of like, I think it's a shortcoming of one that like two that I think like they try and complicate in two and three. Three definitely with the Geth and the Quarians, but three still, like, the thing is the best moral decision you can have in three ends with a both sides bad decision and it's like no no come on <laughs> like it, the, hey the get like the geth ain't d- done a lot of great things but they've done what they did because they were backed into a corner like the, like that doesn't excuse the fact that the geth have like now actively been on the hunt and and like enslaved and and systematically murdered organic races but they did that because organic races drew first blood. Like it is, it is a um, like, but the best decision you can make is the, like the big diplomatic decision you can make based on your uh, good or bad points is now both of you stop it. And it's like, <laughs> it, mm, not quite, not yeah. quite. It's just, it's weird. And I think it's, um, I don't know. And, you know, like we, we've got to wrap up, but like Mass Effect it's a really important series. It's important to a lot of people. It's important to me. It's important um, to me. And also it's incredibly, you know, to use the, that old P word problematic, right? Yeah. And that's even putting it lightly. And I think it's important that we, you know, think about that yeah, and like and I, rec- reckon with that. I think here's the thing. I am so not done talking about Mass Effect. There's still so much more I want to say. And I yeah. have two more games to play. I am not opposed to like, temporarily turning socially distanced into a a mass effect podcast for a few episodes i i am if you're on board i'm on board i'm on board we're gonna talk about mass effect for the next few weeks that's just what we're doing let's cut to you know let's end on uh on from mass effect one vigil wow